Hello, and welcome to a special Film Inquiry podcast related to The Last Dance, a special 10-part episode um, on on ESPN regarding the last season of the Michael Jordan Chicago Bulls. I am Sean Glynis, and I'm joined by Arlen Golden. Hello. How are you, Arlen? I'm well, thanks. How are you? Good. Uh, I'm also here with Soham Gadre. How are you, Soham? Hey, what's up? So, um, we wanted to talk about this because I think all of us uh, have a close relationship to this franchise, uh, this dynasty in particular. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess first, let's let's discuss that. Let's talk about, um, Arlen, if you would start, why... Why are you close to this team? Like, uh, is this geographical location? Yeah, I mean, you know, to start, I guess I was, you know, uh, born in Chicago and lived there the early part of my life, and then I moved uh, two towns north to Wilmette. Um, so, you know, still in the Chicagoland ecosphere. Um, but, you know, really at that age where kind of perfect to imprint on to the Bulls as like these larger than life superhero figures um you know I was like super duper fan as a little kid like the Bulls were my my thing I mm-hmm. wore a one red sock and one black sock every day <laughs> I always had like a backward snapback um the day Jordan retired I took a vow of silence I communicated to everyone with like a little notepad um the first time or the second time the second time the, the final time to okay. me what you yeah know, washington yeah. doesn't yeah, have yeah, yeah. um right but you know uh it was <laughs> my my dad would take me to like one game a year and it was always you know the most looked forward to day of the year and um you know it was, there, the bulls in chicago at that time were just so totalizing and all-encompassing um they were like in every facet of life and advertisements and um you know all these tie-ins with different media i remember my mom uh complaining to me one day because she was super late for work because getting in on 9094 there was a giant mural of dennis rodman where his hair changed colors (laughs) and that that was only up for like a few hours because everyone was just stopping to look at it and take pictures and it was just causing such a mess and i still think of that mural every time i i go by that building in chicago now yeah so i mean you know it's uh, a long time bulls fan first time bulls podcaster mm-hmm. um what about you son um, I mean, Chicago was the first city that my family moved to when we immigrated from uh, India, uh, like around uh, 92, 93. Oh, wow. Um, I was still um, I was still really young for most of Michael Jordan's kind of career. I mostly remember the last two seasons on the Bulls, specifically the 98 championship, because by that time, uh, we had moved to New Jersey, and I watched um, every game of that finals. It was the first finals where I watched every game, and um, yeah, I mean, I just it, it, like the two things that kind of were my 
initiation into American culture were the Chicago Bulls and Jurassic Park. <laughs> so uh, those two things from the 90s kind of just like have uh, I've carried them on uh, through my whole life. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, it, it, it kind of stinks that like I was so young when Jordan was um, – was there and winning championships and when i when i really started to become truly conscious of the nba was uh in the early 2000s where the bulls were losing 60 games every year yeah and uh, <laughs> we're just the absolute yeah the <laughs> the most trash team in the nba so um but i mean i'll i'll still always remember that uh that last season that last season and that last finals mm-hmm. which is really what this uh you know this documentary concentrates on the most right yeah i was there was like a um a twitter prompt going around today or yesterday about like the first news piece of like news that you remember being like conscious of and uh i i like i have memories prior to this but the first like piece of like global or like whatever national news was the was watching the 93 finals was watching the Suns bowls um in like a one of our neighbor's garage like for some reason we were like in their garage watching their tv for this and i i remember watching that series and that's like the first like national experience i i remember having was watching that um Mm. and uh so but like i mean my mom was like huge into the bulls i mean she still is and um i think i grew up like before I was conscious, like watching the Bulls, and we would like if we had we traveled a lot, like driving around to other families, and we always like had the radio on, or like even at home when the games were on, my mom would like turn off the TV volume and listen to the radio volume uh, mixed up with the game because they were just better commentators. Um, yeah, my dad did but, that too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't think we we missed a game if if we didn't have to, but um it it's it's funny like watching this because uh I guess like as we talk about our first um our reaction to the first episodes of this, it, it's hard like for the first I don't know, day or so I kind of I didn't know how to process it cuz I'm so close to it. Totally. Um as a piece of filmmaking, which I guess is what we're here to talk about it as um it's it's hard to i don't know do you guys have that experience where it's like i i I don't even care at a certain point while i'm watching it like whether it's good good like filmmaking or not because i just am so like on the edge of my seat like looking at all of these images and montages and and stuff that that i never got to see yeah i mean for for me i mean i think you know we're all film people and and i mean for me at least specifically like doc people and you know i was talking to a friend and i think unknowingly i'm kind of been waiting for this project my whole life to some degree for there Mm -hmm. to just be a documentary about either michael jordan or the 90s bulls you know and here it is and it's here so like all last week i was like feeling kind of nervous and anxious about it because (laughs) i was like i don't know like you know it's it's um the guy who did the 85 bears 30 for 30 and the trailer made it look like really kind of 
wrote and formulaic, you know, just a lot of talking heads and archival <laughs> and cut back and forth. Yeah. And I was like, you know, we're we're gonna blow the the opportunity to do a bulls doc and and this is gonna be it, you know. But um, I like all of that footage yeah. just in one go, right? Like, yeah. um, and but I think you know you put it well, Sean. It's like while I was watching it, I was just so into it and i i didn't really care and like you know i think i think it was effective um and that's evidence of it because you know it, it was just such a joy to kind of revisit th- some of these memories and all this iconography and all this mm-hmm. uh, these old games from you know jordan's early career and like um yeah it was uh, i i think you know for however um standard maybe or or kind of rudimentary the the format is Mm -hmm. you know it's being done very slick and it's very well produced and like you know they they did it in a way that's very compelling so you know i i again i can't like you i can't separate if this is an objective thing or if i'm just really about it but like for for the first two hours so far you know i'm I'm just like feeling like a little kid. Right. Yeah, I mean, um I think for something like this it's it doesn't really have to have any sort of cinematic quality to it specifically because I mean the fact that it's such an anticipated piece of work, like everybody has been talking about, there's got to be a definitive Michael Jordan documentary at some point, you know? And the fact that uh, it, it has just so much content, it's like so dense with storytelling that like, however you put it, like it only really needs a competent person who's good at editing to just <laughs> put it together. And that's really, I think, from the first two episodes, what I noticed was it was about um, just it was it was really about compiling it into some sort of like compelling story, which uh, you know sort of brought into context why they're talking about the, like why why this documentary was made. That's kind of like yeah. how I looked at the first two episodes was this is why the Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan were important, sort yeah. of. I wonder what the experience is like for people who aren't, like, for someone like me watching, it's it's weird. I don't exactly want to jump too quickly to the OJ doc comparisons, but, uh, like, me watching that as somebody who only has a frame of reference as somebody who is, like, aware of this case but doesn't care about the figure. Uh, I wonder what that experience is like for someone watching this who isn't so connected yeah. Um, because it feels self-evident to me, like why this is here, like watching this, it just, right. it, it, it's just like, of course, who wouldn't want to watch this? Like, but I like, uh, God, I, I, I was like giddy just watching like the, just seeing like old photos of him and like different like f- pieces of fashion and stuff. Yeah. And I think that, um, that in general, like the topic that this is about is just, it is a topic of entertainment and controversy in in but but in a much lighter sense like i felt like espn f- probably felt compelled to make the oj documentary something significant because of you know everything how, tied into that yeah how how like uh 
not just tragic but how much of like a cultural marker it was on you know race and politics while this is more so just like you know a, a turmoil or kind of like legacy of a team sort yeah. of thing where it's it, it's it's more about the um the entertainment than it is about like making a grander statement mm-hmm. on on America like the OJ documentary is literally subtitled made in America because <laughs> it that that's what the documentary is about it's just yeah. putting OJ into the context of this is what this nation is and has been you know right for his I, whole life I, yeah that makes me think like um there because I think there are plenty of things that they can tease out of this as like sort of subtextual themes that don't need to overwhelm the audience but um like we saw some of it with scotty pippen's intro in the second episode or sort of like diving into his backstory um like that dynamic there um like i wonder if we'll get some insight or at least even some like from the filmmaker some ideas about why it like what it was like for him to or to be satisfied in in a certain way that wasn't financial like if if he was you know like and and what that right. meant for him um but also i think and i know that the whole thing isn't a jordan documentary but it kind of is um i i think that it, it will be interesting to see I, I was talking uh with my girlfriend about it after and she asked me if um if I thought he was a narc for, um, because people were calling him a narc for, for the cocaine story thing. Uh, <laughs> and it was interesting to think about just him, like being asked a question about his moral, him as a moral figure, because it, it almost is beside the point. Like, I, like it, 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 he's not a, like, he's not a moral figure to me. Like he, no. you know, no. like, he, he doesn't care about, people doing blow he cares that they were doing blow and they're his teammates and it's the night before a game and and i think i think um this anecdote was in the the book the jordan rules um about Mm -hmm. the i want to say the 91 92 season or 90 91 or the the first repeat and um you know he he says something to the effect like you know, are we here to play basketball or are we here to like get high and try and play basketball, you know? <laughs> right. Uh, I I also think that um I mean he's never gonna admit on air in that documentary about, you know, whatever kind of stuff that he's kept like Michael Jordan has had such a perfect kind of control right. over his own story that like you know, nobody really knows the reason, the full reason why he retired to go play baseball. Um, nobody really knows, like, I, one of the fu- kind of funniest things that I have ever heard was um, on Bill Simmons's podcast where he talked about, uh, I forget who told him this anecdote, but um, somebody mentioned to Bill Simmons, like, if you notice between, like, games four and five of the 1993 nba finals uh mj just looked way darker (laughs) in game five than he did in the previous four games and the reason was because he had spent the previous night um like just smoking and 
drinking and gambling and then woke up the next morning after maybe like three hours of sleep and played 18 holes of golf <laughs> in the Phoenix in the Phoenix like heat in the summer heat in Phoenix just played 18 holes of golf and then went to game five and just dropped like whatever four, 40 yeah. points and maybe like <laughs> Yeah, he's just like, he's a mythical figure. And maybe now it matters because I'm an adult and these things don't matter as much to me, but he's not a role model. Like, he's he's something else. He's, he's a he's a, he's a, a cultural, person. like, Goliath. I don't know, like, to, you know. To, icon, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's an icon. Like, to this day, you know, I've got, like, posters in my room from the library that say like you know michael jordan soared to new heights by reading books or i've got like like <laughs> space jam action figures and like scotty pippen bobbleheads and shit and it's just like you know this these are the uh like tangible um evidence of my upbringing in chicago you know mm-hmm. and it's like yeah. like there was something I tweeted out during um, the second episode where they drafted Horace Grant, and um, it reminded me of this little, like, kind of Horace Grant Gumby guy I have, and, like, everyone I knew had this little Horace Grant, like, <laughs> not an action figure, but, like, a bendable kind of Gumby, Yeah, and it's just, like, you know... Like a proto-bobblehead. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and it's, like, um, you know... Uh, Beef Wennington, you, you <laughs> <laughs> like like every single aspect of living life in Chicago and the surrounding area during the Jordan era was just completely um, totalized by that team and and mm-hmm. those figures and yeah. there wasn't enough content like Dennis Rodman could come out with a biography and. You know, like, no one ever had enough Jordan, as we saw when he goes to France and he's being, you know, hounded by the players on the court, by the sound guy. You know, it just, I don't think, you know, we there's always the conversation about um, the GOAT and LeBron James or whatever. You know, basketball aside, um, I don't think there's ever, you know, Michael Jackson, maybe, but like just been such a globally recognized and admired human being yeah and i think he he even kind of like outdoes michael jackson by being a charismatic figure (laughs) like like that's the thing like and i guess that kind of feeds back into it being self-evident is like even though he is this mythical figure he is still like we know that he is a human and so just getting access to what it's like to just barely be human is like it's just fascinating on its own um i think the 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 thing that i think has been really impressive so far is going into this project since they first announced it it had been kind of unclear to me what the focus was going to be. Is it okay? Is it like, you know, the Mm -hmm. 97, 98 season? Is this a Michael Jordan doc? Is this like a whole dynasty doc, you know? And so far it seems to be all of these things at the same time. And and somehow they're, they're pulling it off. Yeah. I mean, I think that um, the 97, 98 season really encompasses the dynasty as a whole, because I think, the problems that kind of 
arose in the 97-98 season had been festering longer than just that season or just that summer before and we see this with like sports teams all the time like you know just recently i think like yesterday it was you know draymond green had this like quote that came out that espn kind of ran an article with regarding uh him uh blaming kevin durant for um announcing that he was unsure if whether he was going to return to the Warriors and he said that for that last season like it was his fault that he brought it up and it weighed as like a dark cloud over the entire organization for the whole year and I think that even Kevin Durant like it that that decision that like kind of Mm -hmm. that was weighing on the way before he even talked about it and I think that um, the 97-98 season is a great kind of microcosm of what happens to every dynasty that everyone thinks is going to be there for forever. Like, people were talking about the Miami Heat winning six rings. They only won two. People thought that the Golden State Warriors were going to be there for, like, a decade. They literally were there for five years, and uh, they only won, again, they only won three rings out of those five. So, um it's a really it, like I think as we get further on in this doc, uh, it's going to become, it, it's going to be really great to examine how this is like a story of almost every like legendary team that it, it sooner or later the people who are on that team are human beings and they're going to have problems and yeah. it's it's and there's commerce eventually involved. it's going to fall fall yeah it's eventually going to fall apart. And uh, yeah, I, I guess like if we're thinking about the construction of of the doc, I I think in that sense it was smart to start with this discussion of money and rebuilding and you know the trajectory right. based on talent and, and age, um, like all of these other factors. Because um, I, I think one of the things that I've seen watching basketball, like with my mom, like as as she's gotten older and the league has changed away from this time which is just like why aren't people just staying on the same team and like realizing that like how much money has to affect these types of things and and age and trajectory of talent um so i I think it was smart to like go into that and then build build away from it like build this constellation which um i don't know i kind of like but um i i I don't have anything critical to say yeah i mean but i I kind of it's cool that like on that end just like looking back and thinking about this era again and um you know the thing they haven't gotten to yet is that jordan was like for most of his career with the bulls also like severely underpaid relative to his value obviously and it was only uh, I think the season before this, ninety ninety six ninety seven, that uh, mm-hmm. he got like yeah. a one year thirty five deal, or something, Ridiculous. right? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, and even well, even then, like the that same time, uh, that was the same summer that Shaq got paid a hundred. It became the first hundred million dollar player. So, like, like just the concept of you know the basketball players earning like this much you know annually was only kind of just being invented um yeah. and like you know like they talk about scotty you know got made the commitment early and and suffered for it what uh, getting off topic but that totally I, I always knew it but also thinking about it again <laughs> yeah. recontextualize the whole no tip and pippin 
um, thing that <laughs> mm. everyone always yeah. gets them on. Um, but I think, you know, the I did not expect you were talking about rebuilding and financials. I definitely didn't expect like in the first hour or two to already yeah. get talking about like Tim Floyd. I, th- I think it's um, it's kind of I guess maybe they were trying to be topical to today's like climate on like, you know, uh, labor and like company politics because they went hard after after Jerry Krause. And right. There's no way not to like <laughs> right yeah <laughs> like like yeah, even I mean, even during that time i think he he was perceived as a villain right and they talk about how yes. like the the team was always clowning on him and like never gave him any respect and like you know yeah yeah, right. yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah um yeah i i uh i don't know um i think with the pippin thing it was nice to see him talk about like rationalize like that he has all these family members and that like two of them are wheelchair bound like and how much that actually matters uh which is just like one of these things that again is just like poisonous in in sports um discourse is just like like just talking in such a vacuum for players that have like actual lives and stuff um people are probably like like you know adults uh, at the time probably thought he was you know a cuck in today's <laughs> language like but like you know he's he's got like all these people to feed and he's just like probably you know that's just so much money and also being able to play next to jordan like i said there were probably other um non-financial incentives but um is it I've always gotten the sense that he, you know, he's the ambassador now. I think of the I think, Bulls. I think like he was in until per- this, either this season or last season. They, they let him go. So, yeah. yeah, and that's something that probably yeah. won't be addressed in the doc. But he's sort of like gotten paid from them in perpetuity, yeah. like to make up for yeah, right. that. Yeah, I mean, it's like the Chicago Bulls are, um, for better and for worse, uh, like Reinsdorf was a big topic in this documentary too. Like he's one of those people who just really values like the whole loyalty thing. Like uh, mm-hmm. if, um, you know, like former players or people just like kind of stay within the bulls circle and like they keep, uh, you know, recycling people. Like they even brought Doug Collins back <laughs> for a couple of like, you know, small jobs. And even now with like the GM uh, change that they had with, uh, um, you know, Gar Foreman and John Paxson getting, or Gar Foreman getting fired and Arturis Karnasovas coming in as the new, like, um, head of basketball operations. They didn't even fire John Paxson. Oh, wow. they, they basically just gave him, like, uh, you know, it's just, like, paid retirement, basically. Right. Just, like, stand to the side. We'll we'll pay you yeah. for as long as you want, but just, you know. The, the Pippin ambassador thing, too, is kind of interesting because, like, that didn't happen until Pippin was pretty much like bankrupt, you know, like, like they, they didn't um, have kind of an ongoing relationship after he left the bulls, uh, until right. like, you know, the mid, mid two thousands, mid late two thousands. He came back for like a year or something back to the team or I yeah. think for like half a season. It was around the same time that Jalen Rose like yeah. had his small bulls. Yeah, that sounds <laughs> vaguely familiar. Like, um, but I remember there was an auction. There was like a Scottie Pippen's house 
a state sale or something in wow. like maybe like 2007 somewhere around there give or take a year or two um but my friends went and they got they like shot <laughs> they brought a ball and they shot hoops on his home court they to nice. this day i have uh um shit what was that movie with the grumpy old men and they're on a boat like a cruise ship well, out, out to, to sea. sea they have scotty pippen's poster of out to sea it's a full <laughs> full one sheet of out to sea owned by scotty pippen <laughs> and um why did he i don't know that? well we they also grabbed his girls gone wild tape which has been like gone around our group of friends like a hot potato for like over a decade now it's just, i don't even know where it which, is which uh what was the location new orleans oh nice it's a great season. <laughs> I'm surprised that uh, Scotty Pippen ended up like in financial trouble. I just like was checking out because I was curious. After he left the Bulls, he went to the Rockets and the Trailblazers. Yeah, right. Apparently, he Trailblazers. Signed, he signed a sixty-seven million dollar right. deal <laughs> with the Houston Rockets. Right. Um, that was the team with Barkley and yep. yeah. yeah, Barkley and Olajuwon on his right. last legs. Right. That was like. I, Pre, the, that was like the Na, the Steve Nash, Dwight Howard, like Lakers year of its time. Or yeah. I guess Carl Malone, Gary yeah, Payton. Carl Malone, Gary Payton, for sure. You know, it's it's kind of doubly tragic when, you know, when you think about just people often wonder, you know, was Scottie Pippen the second best player in the league any of those seasons? Yeah. And nobody just acknowledged it because he was playing next to Jordan. Um, you know, I don't think he was because of what happened during his retirement seasons, you know. Um, but even still just, you know, a guy who is defined by not getting his due in all sorts of metrics. Yeah. I don't remember watching much of that. I, I, I know I did, but I, I don't, I, I think, uh, there was just such deflatement uh, around that year. Um, my memory around that time is when I got like the 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 shirt that had like twenty three crossed off and forty five under it. Like that was like a big yeah. thing in yeah. Chicago around that time. <laughs> um, yeah, like I remember the this comeback was much more. Ninety ninety four ninety five. Yeah, like the tail end re- of that I, season. Yeah. yeah, right. I don't remember back actually like... watching. Jordan came back and scored that like double nickel at Madison Square Garden. Right. Yeah. And then they lost to the Magic yeah. in the first round, I think. Which all well, of was this that is the first round? Uh think don't quote me on that, but might have been. I, yeah, I don't know. Um Yeah, cuz I think the Knicks went to the finals maybe. I don't know. No, I the Magic went to the finals. Lost, oh, yeah. lost to Knicks the Rockets. Knicks was 94. Yeah. Um Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So, um, I guess, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, Michael Jordan greenlighting this after the 2016 finals. Um, well, so, but it was a thing that existed and then he, are you saying he put it in motion? What I understand is they got permission from Jordan and, and Phil to do to basically follow them for the 97 98 season starting in paris obviously as we've seen and then they were just doing that and they were shooting film uh they apparently shot 500 hours on film throughout that season 
and you know we're working on it figuring out what it was going to be um and then it just kind of fell off um maybe because it was like just kind of too gargantuan a project um i think that mm. uh, i heard you know the jordan to the max the imax film came out shortly after <laughs> yeah. um, the 98 finals and maybe took some wind out of the sails of the project too but for whatever for whatever reason jordan controlled the rights to this project and it wasn't allowed yeah. to happen without his participation for whatever reason which is interesting. I've heard him. I, I've heard uh, that he said he's worried about how people are going to view him after this. But yeah, I mean, the fact that he had control over it, I feel like, is not. It. it it's going to be like. I mean, somebody could make a mu- somebody could make him look much worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I mean, the Jordan rules was a book that like you know uh michael jordan himself did not like because it painted him in a particular way like sam smith kind of got like a um you know like a notorious reputation after mm-hmm. that book for being kind of a little too real yeah, <laughs> yeah I, there's another book too that i never read but always wanted to about the wizard years where he's supposed to be like oh, just no. com- a complete <laughs> monster <laughs> Oh, he um he basically almost put Kwame Brown in a psychiatric ward, uh, <laughs> which I mean deserved or not, like right. <laughs> Kwame Brown was. I mean, if his career wasn't ruined already when he got drafted, and after what Stephen A. Smith said on ESPN, the gigantic rant he went on about Kwame Brown, mm-hmm. um, it was definitely <laughs> ruined after, like. Jordan yeah. just berated him like constantly. I mean, and there's the and there's a Kobe thing, right? Too at the press conference, like talking about like how he has like mitts for hands or something. Like the guy has to have like the lowest self confidence of any like professional. He, I think he's he's just like people see him with such reverence and have such high regard for him that like, Quality <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that like you know his his words cut right like butter like like there's the the mugsy bogues uh thing have you guys ever heard that oh yeah you know um like mugsy bogues was was pulling up for three and he said you know like like he didn't even uh go up on him and he's just like take the shot you little you know yeah (laughs) right and and mugsy said he he was he was never the same player after that Yeah, I mean, he did that. Uh, Michael did that thing with um, with Dikembe Mutombo, where uh, Mutombo kind of just like made an offhanded comment uh, while Michael was shooting free throws that like, I bet you can't do it with your eyes right, closed. Yeah. And Mike like right, right, literally yeah. just closed his eyes and said, "This one's for you," and yeah. hit the shot. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to see. It's like speaking of those like iconic moments, and like um, this is talked about on. Um, uh Steve Kerr talked about this on on recent Zachlo episode uh, but um or low post but um he was asked about the flu game which um happened the year previous yeah. right uh but i wonder if it'll be brought up or not they'll, maybe they'll they'll talk they're going to bring it up yeah, yeah. it's they'll, funny they'll, that i saw someone 
posting about that just like you know in light of the current situation it's like that was kind of irresponsible of michael to go out there <laughs> out on the floor with a yeah. infectious disease but i mean yeah. no yeah. i mean uh, i watched that game live it was it was incredible man and and like yeah. um i've seen it since there's like a, a box a dvd box set that has like a few notable jordan games and then all the nba produced documentaries like come fly with me and um mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's it's incredible performance and people cite it all the time uh for good reason the dude is on the floor he looks like he's gonna die at any second if he pulls up he pulls up for something he looks like he's gonna come back down and just collapse but it goes in and then he just (laughs) goes back down the court um uh yeah yeah i i i hope if they do discuss it it kind of gets more into like because I, th- I feel like because the Gatorade commercial, like we, I just, and the same with the blinking or the, the closing the eyes, like there's so like such a, like ossified, like association with those yeah. things where it's just like this one yeah. thing. And I, 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 I love to, to remember more context for those. I think, I think moments like that too, you know, obviously help build the legend, but they're iconographic in and of themselves in that they sort uh, in a detrimental sense that I think people have really um, used Jordan for um, as like, you know, a real workhorse. You do whatever you got to do to win. Um, People talk about how like, you know, it just got used in all these kind of like faux, like psi business motivational contexts there was like the the book for the love of the game that had all these like kind of quotes of his over the like all this you know really high produced photography yeah and like like right yeah yeah i own that yeah yeah i still have a copy too (laughs) but like um you know that paired with like phil jackson's like zen motorcycles shtick you know like like I, I like the Zen Garden that they did a shot of, and then dog. like I feel like that just got co-opted. That all those things are co-opted and used by like yeah. you know to, we were talking about commerce earlier, but like you know this is what it takes to win. You have to like nearly fucking die on the court, you yeah. know? Yeah, <laughs> right. Which which I yeah. guess like sorry, uh, growing up with those like early docs, like you mentioned, like I mean they're hardly docs right. like they're just like they're just like glossy like pr- promotional like pamphlets like yeah. yeah and yeah where it's like talking about how this is like how you win and all this stuff and and I sh- i'm sure it won't be that like that would just be like a weird thing to put out at this point in history but um yeah it'll just be nice to to and i hope it keeps getting more divorced from this this as a presentation of a way to do anything <laughs> Yeah, I think it's it's actually um, if they do present it that way, it's kind of an antithesis of where NBA culture is going right now. Right, exactly. Because I think with you know analytics and uh, you know a, a more conscious understanding of medicine in sports, like people are realizing that uh, you know the 
the kind of anecdote anecdote that they said in the documentary about um you know Reinsdorf keeping Jordan in that 87 season <laughs> off uh, the floor putting minute restrictions on him and saying you don't understand the cost benefit like the risk reward yeah. uh, ratio and Jordan um you know basically saying like screw it there's a 90% chance that it won't happen like I I'm going to play <laughs> and um yeah, I think that like the doc presented that in a in a um in a way that balanced way kind of. Yeah, it was a balanced way because I like I don't know, the the documentary didn't really showcase um Reinsdorf in a bad light. Right, I agree. Um not yet at least. He sounded moro- he's he sounded moronic in a couple of things that he was saying especially his like defense of kraus but um yeah i think that uh you know looking at that now like it's just it's more about like you know michael just being this unique exception to the rule rather than what the rule actually is and it's it's like that that kind of like fighter uh mentality that like killer mentality that everyone constantly sort of um deified about michael jordan and kobe bryant like those are the only two guys that's ever actually somewhat worked for you know so like to act like that is that is the rule rather than the exception i think that people have gotten a lot smarter now about that and it helps you also appreciate them as being the exception i I think Mm -hmm. i think though it it was presented as balance there's still also an element where like just let jordan play he's michael jordan you know (laughs) like 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 why are you holding this man back give the city and the world the joy of of watching this man perform that's hindsight but like (laughs) well yeah yeah but i mean i'm just saying watching the doc you know like there's there's a feeling that like like you know kraus obviously we've talked about kind of being a villain and and you know reinstorf is an extension and and they're not necessarily villains but they're like the man i guess right you know mm-hmm. where yeah. it's like right get out of his way he says it's not donald play, sterling plays michael jordan yeah yeah um yeah how do you guys think that they remember isn't it wild that they that these people whether it's um, what's his name? The coach that's talking, or Jordan? How do they remember these things that ha- that happened in like 1984, <laughs> like minute I mean, by minute? That, the meeting, um, that meeting that uh, happened between Reinsdorf and Jordan, where he talks about uh, the you know if you had uh, ten pills and one of them was like poisoned yeah. uh-huh. uh, for the headache, that was actually like Jordan included that in that um, in that photography book the love of the game oh yeah yeah okay that quote is actually like word for word in there so So he's just relived some of those yeah i think like those are the type of things that he remembers distinctly that exact conversation just like he he probably remembers the exact conversation that he had with kraus regarding the bill cartwright trade for charles oakley because that was one of the rare moments where um jordan actually admitted that Krauss made the right the right decision to like yeah. trade Oakley away mm-hmm. um so he probably hated that he had to admit it uh he probably remembered that that's true like I guess so many of these things have been mediated and remediated that it's just almost like like you're just repeating but 
what it, it comes off and even listening to like Kerr on this podcast and I'm sure he's going to come up again t- just talk being asked off the cuff about certain things in certain moments and in, in certain games and being able to recall what that feeling was like it's just like uh it's wa- it's very entertaining to watch um in a way that it, yeah. I, I didn't expect um to be like oh like I I don't know I guess if you put so much work into something you're going to remember it but when you play so many games, it's it's hard to to imagine what that's like. Well, yeah, how how do they keep seasons separate? You know, how how do yeah how does it like <laughs> you know I could barely keep like my years of college distinct from one another. Right. Yeah. When you play the same team twice, <laughs> yeah. like yeah, it's I don't know. Are there things that you guys are looking forward to uh, being topics in future episodes? I think the one thing that I need to watch uh, that I really want to watch in this documentary is them talking about the uh, Bulls-Knicks rivalry. Oh, okay. Um, the, 93, the 93 series in the conference finals between the Bulls and the Knicks. Like, hmm. that, that's probably the most iconic series that the Bulls played in that whole run. Uh, because, I mean, the finals were obviously, like, the the final in 98 against the jazz was obviously really iconic but like outside of the the last shot right. it wasn't something that you know is in posterior remembered play by play but that conference finals in 93 is something that like every single game like there's at least like 10 things that happen in every game that like, <laughs> right. people in the NBA world talk about like from you know pippin's stark dunk to starks yeah just like yeah yeah (laughs) yeah the the 92 finals too against the blazers um and the shrug that'll be a good one Mm -hmm. um i i think there are a couple things for me the just you know the rodman component um Uh yeah that's the next episode i think oh as a kid you know he was he was always my favorite um so yeah just and the 30 for 30 that came out last year about him i thought was just atrocious so um yeah i never yeah, watched you don't it. need you don't need to it's either. yeah <laughs> <That sucks. laughs> um but the thing i've really been looking forward to uh, since they announced it is the whole drama around bringing over tony kukoc um because yes. he was he the was jerry cross's guy you know, he like he scouted <laughs> yeah. him from uh, Yugoslavia, then, um, and you know was saying like you know this is going to be the new sensation, and then you know the mm-hmm. the yeah, Croatian the, sensation. The ninety two <laughs> Olympics happened, you know, with the dream team, and they played Yugoslavia yeah. in the I'm final. S- yeah, that's I'm so excited to see that footage again. Like where Pippen and Jordan just like smother him like and it. and it never ended too he got here right and they never stopped giving him a hard time just because right. he was like Krauss's guy yeah. which i guess is an extension of like this question is like i don't need to see the stuff that i've already seen but like the stuff that is like explored out like you know expand expounded on like outside of that with this footage that we've never seen yeah. before um like around that type of stuff like if we get to hear from kukoc about what that was like and whatever um would be fascinating do you guys think that um like the fact that jordan and pippen you know uh 
had this thing out for Kukoc because he was Krause's guy was also the reason why they chose Steve Kerr in the promotions instead of Kukoc. <laughs> Probably. One, one, one thing Possibly. I know from the books is that, like, Jordan trusted Steve, um, you know, yeah. with, with the shot, with the final shot. He, he knew he could give up the ball. Yeah. He was the only other guy on the team that he could really trust like that. So I think that that probably played a role, yeah. He was his um, his Paxson 2.0 right. yeah. uh, in that third run. For sure. There was an anecdote he taught that Jordan talked about. He'll probably they'll probably talk about it in the um, in the doc too. But in the in the book that he made, um, he talked about how B.J. Armstrong wanted to be the starting point guard uh, for the first three years, and Jordan was like, he just didn't understand like that Paxson was was the guy because he was the most trustworthy to make sure. the right play and make the right shot and stuff like that. It'll be interesting off of that, like, uh, well, first of all, I think it's episode seven. That's the, like, the Steve Kerr, like, Jordan punching Steve Kerr episode. Um, <laughs> so that'll be, that'll be great. But, um, but the, the Ron Harper stuff and, like, Ron Harper and Steve Kerr being sort of this offense-defense Thing yeah. because um i always i always loved uh, uh ron harper um as sort of this non-traditional um person who is like super athletic but somehow just not awesome like on his own like not an awesome player um and then to see him in this first episode just like berating ron harper <laughs> for like just getting the timing wrong on stuff like that stuff is just like gold to yeah me. what what do you guys so there there was a part of me when I learned about all this footage and you know that you, you're just talking about like the Ron Harper and Steve Kerr stuff like you know there's there's a part of me and I know ESPN would never do it but like something more like a an Asif Kapadia take of that footage um, the the director of uh, like Amy and Senna and Diego Merritt where right. it's, it's just you know, kind of right. yeah, the, the, of a kind of direct cinema, no narration approach. Yeah. And like, <laughs> I, I can't help but kind of while I'm watching, like parallel watching what that movie might have been like. <laughs> Cause I mean, 500 yeah, right. hours, you know, you can make like a few of probably the best movies I've ever seen from all that footage. They still yeah, have 490 I, hours left. <laughs> but like, yeah. just so so that was my biggest thing coming into this is like, well, are they really squand? I was talking to a friend about that, um, that Jim Carrey, Andy Kaufman one that came out a bit ago and they had all this great entertaining footage of Jim Carrey behind the scenes shooting man on the moon. Um, but then, you know, like every 10, 20 minutes or something like that, you know, it cuts to like, uh, Jim Carrey and Terratron type, you know, like head-on interview where he's just, you know, espousing a bunch of stuff I don't care about, and it totally takes me out of the flow. Mm-hmm. And I, I, yeah. I don't think that's what's happening with the Last Dance. You know, so far it seems like right. very well put together, and and everything seems to be supporting each other and and balanced quite well. But um, there's still a part of me that just wants them to have stepped back and you know just kind of let us revel in all that rare footage well yeah it's it's kind of it's frustrating because we know that uh the market value is going to like determine how many of these 
how much of this footage comes yeah. out, right? Uh, and a 10-hour thing is, like, a big ask for a lot of people, uh, where it's, like, so many other people just want to, like, be able to, like, go into the archive and just, like, be left alone for a week. Yeah, I think that um, if they if they just did footage, like, edited footage for it, um, I mean, I think ESPN wanted it to be, like, a star thing. Like, yeah. you know, if they just had the uh, edited footage, like, they wouldn't have been able to bring um you know uh former chicago resident barack obama and interview him (laughs) for part of the documentary uh and also like they brought larry bird and everybody and i think it's it it, i liked that it was kind of cool that they contextualized who these guys were back in the day with okay these are these guys now kind of talking about it um I think yeah. that it's very on brand for ESPN to do something like that because they're mm-hmm. always about they're they're basically promoting the history of basketball as well as like what the story of what the Bulls right. and Michael Jordan is. Yeah, that's true. And and uh, talking about that Celtics footage and also bringing back up like iconic footage that we've all seen, like we've all seen like the double crossover, like dribble or like through the legs and like all that type of stuff but i what i what i appreciated was how he refashioned it in this like in that montage and just like gaining momentum in the story like that it kind of gave it a weight that just going and watching it on youtube is just a different sensation you know yeah um so i hope like with this stuff that we're so familiar with um he continues to to do that have have either of you guys watched like the supplementary series they're doing with kerr and phil jackson uh, oh, the, is it like detail? detail or yeah, I, it's part of. I, oh, yeah. That's just like that, that's part of Kobe Bryant's like right. thing, right? I, I haven't checked it out yet, but I, from what I understand, they're just kind of breaking down like one game at a time from that season. Oh, sweet. Um, sounds pretty interesting, but I wonder if if when they're breaking yeah. it down, if they're using this film footage um, that that they have hmm. this archive of. Well, but I mean, so, sounds uh, like we're yeah. all enjoying it, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I'm also, I was going to say, I'm I'm also really looking forward to um, finding out who finally won the <laughs> 90, 98 finals. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. Been trying to avoid spoilers this whole time. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't be happier. Like, it's one of those things where I don't, like, Arlen, you were talking about having, like, anxiety about leading up to it, but I just kind of, like, denied that it was happening until i got to like well it's kind of like the same like with the nba right now i'm kind of like denying that it should be going on right now because when i think about it i go like oh i could be like the happiest i've been in (laughs) watching the playoffs right now right yeah um i uh, yeah so like in between weeks i just go yeah there's there's well i mean that that's the other thing about it right i mean they moved they moved it up because I, I think it was supposed to be June, right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, the, for all intents yeah. and purposes, this is basketball right now. Like, and yeah, and yeah, the, there are no better circumstances like that you could be watching this under. Well, I, I mean, like much better. Than what, what do you guys think of the, you know, decision to do it as a week by week as opposed to just a binge drop? I can't remember. I, did I like they? It. Yeah, did th- this is how they did the OJ doc? Yeah, they did. Yeah. Um but I think like um I mean the OJ doc, I watched it in one yeah, in me one too. because uh I just waited for the whole thing to be over yeah. and then 
so good. Here. Like, and, uh, it was yeah. incredible. Um, yeah, and I like that they are splitting it episode by uh, or like two episodes at a time, so that yeah, you know, like it's something that everybody can kind of look forward to. Yeah, uh, yeah, which digest. is something that we haven't we haven't experienced with TV in a while. I think Game of Thrones was the last thing that majority of America was just kind of like waiting for. for yeah. Well, I, I was going to say it was like um, for me the the last thing where I had kind of this kind of communal event. You know, everyone talking on Twitter experience was with Twin Peaks, uh, The Return, which oh, was yeah. also a week for by sure. week thing, and it just seemed like you know when it was on. It, time stopped and everyone was just doing that and that's kind of <laughs> yeah what it se- seemed like on sunday um but right. the the oj thing we keep bringing up you know i think originally that was a project that started as a feature concept and then kind of ballooned and he said you know i i need yeah. more time i i need extra hours and you know espn very smartly granted him uh, that flexibility whereas it kind of opened the door for this where when it was pitched as a 10 episode i think it might have even pitched as less than that and they're like do you want to do 10 you know like because they're just recognizing the appetite uh for this kind of thing now and um you know i it's it's obviously it's not showa or anything but i mean for like (laughs) you know the general public um yeah might be for like utah (laughs) (laughs) like you know for like most people like 10 hour documentary you know nonfiction examination is not something that that people really have a frame of reference for before kind of this current rise of you know like oj's and um, I just watched Cheer. I really like that. Obviously, people are all crazy about Tiger King, but like, you know, I think I think it's something yeah. that's really only become possible the past few years. Yeah, it's it's great to to think about too because you know I would just like swallow it whole totally. And yeah, and I mean, I, I this is one of those things where as soon as it started, I was like, I'm I'm going to be like watching like this multiple times, but it's nice to be able to like be forced like to breathe and think about and digest yeah all right well i, I think we're going to be doing this weekly uh recap thing after every two episodes so so we'll be back um hope you hope people enjoyed listening um and uh yeah it's been sean arlen and so and we will be back next Go week Bulls. Go Bulls. <laughs>